I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. No intro today. Let's get right to it. I am so excited to bring on today's guest. It's not often on the Cracked Interviews Podcast we get to talk to a recent Grand Slam champion, and that is the privilege I have today. One of the winners of the 2019 U.S. Open Mixed Doubles title, now a nine-time Grand Slam champion, Olympic gold medalist, and then to top that all off, a recent enrollee in Harvard Business School's crossover into business program. Quite the resume from today's guest, Bethany Maddox-Sands. Welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Damn, I think you need to intro me for all my uh, matches when I walk out. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. It would be an honor. And I mean, I I don't even know where to start, but let's try, I guess, with the the whirlwind that's been since the U.S. Open. How's everything been going for you? Yeah, wow. Well, I'm back home right now in Arizona. Uh, I came down uh, with a little bit of a cold that I I must have picked up in New York City. But I was in the city. I mean, I was there for three weeks. I was there from Qualies Week, um, and I played all three. I played... uh, singles double women's doubles and then mixed doubles but it was I mean what a whirlwind um you know I've played with Jamie before we had won last year so we basically were defending our our title this year and it was funny because we actually needed a a wild card uh, into this year's draw just because that's how strong the competition was there were a lot of great players and I think our draw even though I don't look at draws we played you know, in the finals, number one seed. I think we played number two seed, number three seed, five seed. I mean, when you looked at the mixed doubles draw before the tournament started, you just like nobody was winning it. Like it was, it was so stacked. So, but it was. Uh, we came away with the wind. I thought we really zoned uh, the last couple matches. I mean, Jay, like I said, Jamie and I have played together a few times, so I felt like you know we were covering each other out there. I think as doubles partners, you want to get to that point where you almost read each other's minds uh, out there, and that's kind of where Jamie and I were for those last couple matches. I actually think in the semifinals, so I had a little bit of a fever in the semifinal match. I, I had like 101 fever out there, so I wasn't feeling great. But my tennis, like everything else, was was on point. And the first game, I actually wiped out. Like, and it was it was the first, we were playing on Louis Armstrong Stadium, and I just I wiped out. Everything was good, but I just sat there laughing, thinking, "Great!" And like every camera angle is on this wipeout. I I watched it after the match. I was like, like it was a disaster, but. Nonetheless, I got back up and actually played really well after that. <laughs> kind of woke <laughs> me up um, and got me going. But um, semifinal match, obviously, we played a couple night matches there. We had some packed stadiums, which was awesome. And in the finals, that had to have been one of the best fan turnouts for a doubles or mixed doubles finals that I've ever been a part of, which is cool because I'm such a energy person. I love playing on big stadiums. I mean, that's why I play tennis. And Arthur Ashe doesn't get any bigger than that. So what a what a cool experience and um you know we i accepted the trophies uh, actually jamie was on a flight back to uh, scotland that day so i was like all right we have two hours to get enough instagram worthy photos here between the <laughs> two of us and then i had to pack all my stuff 
and drive to Boston the next day. Like there were, I was team no sleep, uh, which is also probably why I got even sicker than I was um, and uh, lost my voice a little bit. But you know what? I was doing like all these awesome things. I had all these cool experiences. Boston was amazing. Harvard, what a cool experience to be a part of their business crossover program. I got to sit in to one of their MBA classes where they're doing case studies and we're doing case studies on, you know, LeBron James and D Wade and Lady Gaga. And it's, it was such a cool experience. Like I'm actually looking forward to going back to school. <laughs> I mean, so that was, that's a, just me in the yeah. last couple of weeks. So it's obviously been uneventful, pretty easy going. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, welcome to my life. Like I, <laughs> I have to make lists of lists just so I remember things. And, um, it's been it's been a whirlwind and I, I honestly I try and keep everyone um as involved with my journey as possible by posting a ton on Instagram and Facebook and on my story so really everything I'm telling you uh if you were a diehard BMS fan you would probably already know these things because I've <laughs> I've kind of posted everything along the way well if you can't tell from the intro, I am a diehard BMS fan. There we, I know. <laughs> yeah. You had my staff correct. That's that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the least. You look, you're Harvard Business School. I do a little bit of background research. Pretty similar. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I do want to go back to that U.S. Open. You, you talk about playing in front of that crowd, embracing that stands. One of the funnier moments to me of the tournament. And, you know, it gets lost in uh, the hoopla that is the U.S. Open. But correct me if I'm wrong, and uh, it was a little bit of rip reading but match point happened you seemed a bit unsure of if it was match point and if i read your lips correctly i believe the phrase was did we win holy f- yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much i was like <laughs> that's actually exactly what i said so funny uh you know i've forgotten the score before and okay maybe i've been a point off or like a game off very rarely have i celebrated too soon um but this time in all honesty, like I knew the game score, like, you know, I know I'm kind of in a zone when I lose a little track of the, of the, what the set score is, but I knew, I knew it was break point. And honestly, that's all I was focused on. Um, he was serving and uh, honestly uh, uh, was serving big serves at me. So I was ready to zone for his big serve and I knew I was going to go down the line. So I had that so ingrained in my mind that <laughs> in all honesty, I actually thought it was three, two, like, which is, so far away from what it was what five three um, <laughs> yeah. I thought three two and I thought we were breaking to go four two and then I was like, thinking about it. I was like okay if we held I like I might be serving it out in the end like I got I went way too far for like a split second and then Jamie was like smiling a little bit more so I'm like oh damn I was like it's over I was like we won and I I was so upset because last year I had this amazing jump in the air to celebrate the win <laughs> on match point and I was like it was stolen from me I didn't know so uh but it's I like honestly you know as an athlete like I was so into the moment I was so into my tactics and into the flow of of everything I mean I you know I'm aware of the energy and I'm aware of things but it all kind of it, it just all kind of blends into one and then I'm focused on on what I'm doing out there so uh, in the end, it was great because I was, you know, zoning. But at the same time, I didn't have celebration pictures that I wanted post <laughs> post win. But all good. <laughs> That's what the two hour Instagram sessions for, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Poor Jamie, I'm making him do selfie after selfie. I'm like, this is necessary. No, it looks so. We, cool. we need good lighting. 
Yeah, and throughout the week you see, you know, people like Kobe Bryant and Manu Ginobili and Tiger Woods and uh, I'm trying Lindsey Vaughn there. You can go on and on and on. New York really seems it's obviously the Grand Slam in the US, but so many celebrities seem to flock to the event. Uh, what are the cool things that happened? What are the privileges that come with being the US Open Mixed Doubles Grand Slam champion? <laughs> well, the biggest privilege is you get to walk around for the next few hours with your trophy in hand. So I was just going everywhere. And even if people didn't know I won, they knew then because I was getting the trophy. Um, so, and it's, and it's, it's wild because if you're around the Grand Slams the whole time, it's like a couple, there's a couple different phases. You're there at the beginning. Everyone's amped. There's a lot of energy. First week, it's packed. Everyone's guests are there. You can't find a seat up in the player lounge. And then second week, it like all of a sudden the crowd thins out. By the last couple of days, there's like zero people there. It's almost it's kind of eerie because you go to the warm-up area. There's like your opponent in there, and that's it. And if <laughs> and even not that, because there's like three different warm-up areas. So you don't even have to see anyone. And uh, you go from like fighting for a massage table to having all all of them, you know, in the end. So I feel like it's it's just like such a a different event at the end and it was just cool i mean i i don't know if a lot of people know but the trophy that we hold on the court is not the one we keep so they keep that one um at queens at the facility and they send us a replica um so the one that they keep there uh is will only be handled with uh white gloves unless you win it then you get to handle it however you want and drink (laughs) champagne from it and so I told Jamie because he actually missed out on the celebration last year because he had an even earlier flight the year before. I had like one, I had literally, last year I had one celebratory selfie with him and the rest were with my team. Like it looked like I won singles. I was like, <laughs> everyone's going to be, I'm like, I'm so narcissistic here because I'm just taking it, just me and the trophy and I'm talking about Jamie. So I made Jamie take more pictures this year. But one of the, uh, the uh, celebration uh, things that I've done in the past, we always pour champagne into the cups. Uh, thankfully, all the trophies have been cups, uh, so we can drink <laughs> out of out of the trophy. But it was pretty cool. It's a cool experience to share with the team, um, and uh, that's that's it. I mean, there's a, honestly there's a lot of adrenaline. You're doing a lot of press and everything afterwards. So really, by the end of the night, I wish I could. I mean, I did stay up all night, but I wish I could tell you like. <laughs> I I was super energized, but I was, I mean, it's, it's tiring. I mean, it's the two weeks that you're focused and you have a lot going on from all the events, all the people there. I mean, New York city is really the, the city that never sleeps. And I would like take that through to the U S open. It's the most energizing tournament we have all year. And, um, it, it's, there's nothing like it. It's one of my favorites. And I just feel honored that I was there from the actual beginning to the end and uh got to experience it all yeah and correct me if i'm wrong did i see judy murray drinking out of the cup as well yeah we got judy in on the celebration judy's super cool like she she makes some fashion statements and she she's had her hair like all chopped and colored and judy's a pretty cool chick she's 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 a bad (laughs) <laughs> no, without a doubt. It is such a cool thing to see. And I, I mean, I can only imagine how overwhelming that whole experience is. I know you won last year, but still, just given physically what you've gone through with your knee after the long two weeks of tennis, how are you holding up? I know you're obviously you have the cold, but you could you, if needed, play some more tennis this year? Uh, yeah. So, well, I was technically supposed to be in Korea as we speak, and I just 
I, it was going to be a lot to, I, I would have had to basically fly from Boston, from Harvard. And it was just, it was going to be a lot going over there a little bit sick and, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, you just kind of need to recover everything. And as much energy as I have in reserves, you know, there's always kind of this back end where I need to chill out a little bit and kind of uh, boost myself back up. And so, you know, I got to come home for a couple of days and I should tell you that our, my off days, my easy days still are pretty packed. I'm just, I'm kind of a person that likes to be involved in a lot of things and doing things with other people. So my easy days, when I tell you I had a complete day off, that's, uh, then it's like, it's something I really needed. (laughs) So, um, I'm trying to get over the plague that I somehow picked up in New York city and my whole team had it. I was the last one to get sick. I thought I was going to stay strong. And then I I just fell off a cliff, um, (laughs) and basically had a sinus infection and all of that jazz. So I, I feel like I'm on the upward trend right now. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to this end of the season. We end our year in, you can go to the Asia basically. So it's Korea this week, or there's another tournament in China, but I'm, I'm planning on, there's a tournament in Wuhan, there's a tournament in Beijing, uh, and then there's another tournament, there's a couple tournaments in Europe and Linz and Luxembourg, so you kind of have your choice over the next couple weeks, um, so I'll see uh, which ones I'm getting in and who I'm playing doubles with, because um, right now I've, I've been playing with a few different partners, so I kind of uh, have my options on, on where I want to go, which is nice. Yeah, no, solid humble brag. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want two of the other just cool U.S. Open things uh, that were off court, but just that happened during the hit you did with Andy of the Ellen DeGeneres show, and then also Fallon tonight. And I should say, I was in the room in Cincy when Naomi Osaka came in and said, "Hey, I have a joke I want to tell you all." And I swear right away, I was like, "Something's up. Like this is <laughs> something. Yeah, something different's going on." Um, but yeah. just. To be a part of that, to get to have fun on social media, uh, doing tennis, things like that. How, how cool of an experience is that? No, it was amazing. I mean, I actually <laughs> just posted my, my average Andy. Um, I mean, Ellen is probably one of my favorite people on the planet. So I was like, this is one step closer to meeting Ellen in person. Like, <laughs> I'm doing it. And uh, it was a blast. Like, I love doing stuff like that, though. Even the interview that I did, uh, a little the, the fun thing I did for Jimmy Fallon. I haven't actually posted it yet. I think I'm posting it tomorrow. Um, but it's, I like, I love it. Like I'm always up for that. So I've told the WTA, I've told the USTA, like if you guys are like need a player that wants, that is up for these things, like these shenanigans, I'm your girl. So hopefully <laughs> that will inspire, uh, more people to come up to me and, uh, encourage me to do things like that. And we've been fortunate enough as tennis fans to see you take part in tennis media, you know, on ESPN, on Tennis Channel, making appearances. I, you, you still obviously are playing at a Grand Slam winning level, but why do you, you know, what attract, What about that are you attracted to to take those sort of opportunities to engage with the tennis community? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple reasons. One, I got a, ch- a big chance to do a lot more when I was injured, when I wasn't playing. But, you know, I didn't really want to change my story once I did start coming back, I think, you know, a a lot of fans want to know more about the players that they follow. They want to jump onto some of these stories. They want to know maybe there's more to these athletes than just their wins and their losses. You know, what's their personality? How do they feel after these? What are they doing to get ready? And I, I, what do we do when we travel so much? I mean, look, our season goes from January to first week of November. If we don't have some kind of, Uh, you know out we can't get away from anything we have to do it like during our season so 
you know, I'm pretty outgoing, which I know not every player is quite like me. And if there were, if there were a lot of me on the tour, like that'd be a lot, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, <laughs> it's a lot coming at you. There's a lot that comes with playing doubles with me. There's a lot of colors, a lot of antics, like it's, it's all good fun, but it's, you know, it's definitely a lot, but I've really enjoyed this, this side of it. I, I get a lot of inspiration from my fans, from sharing my story. I mean, I, in all honesty, when I was injured, coming back from my first knee injury, you know, just having people kind of tag along with the journey, I was getting emails talking about, you know, if you could do that, like I can get, you know, I can fight cancer because of what you're posting and your inspirational thoughts. And I mean, that's, that's bigger than any, you know, trophy I could get. Like that's like real impact. And, and to me, that's cool. And that was just because I was, you know, outgoing about, where I was in my journey and, and, you know, was I coming back from this devastating injury to, you know, was I going to get my goals? People didn't know, like, at, you know, I was giving you kind of my real time emotions and thoughts and, and how I kind of went about setting my goals and how I start my day and, and things like that. And to me, I think sharing those experiences is just as important as how much I train on the court, you know, and that's, you know, if I go back to even playing doubles with Lucy, we did a lot of fun videos and pictures and selfies and, and we had some great results. Like I, I got to stay true to my, my personality when I was, when I'm enjoying it, because I spent a lot of years not enjoying tennis. So when I'm enjoying it, that's when I've had my best results. That's when I felt the greatest and surprise. That's when I'm having the best time out there because, you know, this, this, career can go by fast and it can go by in a blink. And I've seen uh, a lot of my peers that have retired and they look back and they're like, we traveled the world. We did all these things. And I really didn't do that much or, and I didn't want to be that person. And it's not taking away from the dedication and the focus that you have to put into your practice and your training and your recovery. Cause trust me, that's, that's the majority of my day. I just choose to enjoy the process of doing all those things as well as being social and everything that comes with the traveling, competing, having days off, not having days off, having the right people around me. I, I think it's just, that's what life is. And too many times we, we look at, you know, let's say me holding up a grand slam trophy and saying, Oh, you reached the goal. And that's the happy point. And it's like, you know, if that's your happy point, it's going to be few and far between. And, you know, if people were asking me for my advice, I would say the same thing. Like, don't, it's not about just looking forward to the weekend or looking forward to that vacation. Like how are we enjoying this day to day? How are we, you know, being inspired by our challenges and, and how are we able to stay positive? And that's, that's what leads to, to big results. I don't care what area you're going after. So I really challenged myself to walk the walk instead of, you know, just give you guys all these great quotes and not live it. <laughs> well, the great quotes are part of the B-Dog experience. And so, <laughs> exactly. and so we all love that. But you the talk sand about... Storm. You got to fo follow the sandstorm here. <laughs> the sandstorm. Yeah. Uh... Fun fact, that was Justin's uh, nickname in college when he was playing football. Uh, and I was like, I love it. I was like, I'm going to use this, the sandstorm. So, and it, we literally are a sandstorm, I think, coming to town to town. We leave and people are like, oh, like they're either they need to take a nap for like three days or they're just like, what are we doing without you? We're so bored. So I actually think that's a very true hashtag for us. 
Plus, I feel like the song Sandstorm at the time, it must have been... Nope, too late, a little too... That's the official song. That's a throwback right there, yeah. What is that, Darude? Yeah, Sandstorm. Okay, I'm going to have to put that on my playlist again now. Oh my God, I'm honored. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, but you talk about striking that balance, and for you, if you don't mind me saying, it seems to come so naturally. Uh, for other players, you see them struggle with it, or you see them just get asked about interactions or things in the press, and it bothers them. How important is it to strike that balance? And I guess if you were to give advice, you know, for you it comes naturally. For other players, how how would you best advise to strike that balance? First, I think it's so so important to find the balance, and again. Everyone has a different personality, and I think it's really about staying true uh, to your personality. But I, I'll I'll actually tell you that it wasn't natural for me. I actually was shy when I was younger, and not so much because I was shy. I just thought I had to be really serious to get my goals and to win, and I had to be upset after losses because that meant I cared. And I just at one point realized how much of a, a, a hole I was with, with some of my negative thoughts instead of some of my post-loss reactions. And I really decided to not be that way anymore. I didn't have the answer, but I knew how I didn't want to be. And that's where I started. And, you know, it wasn't like all of a sudden overnight, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna like, enjoy my life and have fun. It was it was gradually finding my balance. And a big part of it is, you know, I'm a big foodie, for example. And so each city I go to, even if I don't have much time there to maybe do touristy things, minimum, I'll find a cool coffee spot. I'll find a cool foodie spot. And I make a big deal about it. Like, I'll do some research, why I like it. I, I've met a ton of chefs all over around the world. And that was just kind of the start of me enjoying these cities I went to. Then, you know, let's say I had a couple extra days. I would make sure to sign up to do things. I got to do fun things like, uh, go to the Great Wall of China. I've gone bungee jumping in New Zealand. I've gone, I've actually done a lot of things in New Zealand, which I'm doing again <laughs> next year. But, and I think, you know, one of the deals I kind of made with uh, Justin was at the end of some of my segments. So most of the time you block off maybe like four to six to eight weeks of tournaments in a row. Um, and so at the end of each of these segments, I said, I want to spend two or three days going to a spot that we've never been on our way back home. Because so, so many times we're just like, get me home now. And like, don't get me wrong. Like we all want to go home because we miss it. But I said, what's, you know, what's 48 hours somewhere else, non-tennis related, just because I want to go. And so we've gone to cool places like Malaysia, Thailand, Byron Bay, Australia, just for a couple days before heading home. And it's just, it's, it's made this tennis experience so much more than just my wins and my losses. And you know what? The funny thing about it is at the end of it, I'm more refreshed. I'm more focused. I feel better and I'm playing better. And that's like the whole idea. Anyways, I'm doing everything I can to play optimally, to feel physically at my best, to mentally be sharp. And it's just 
you every person, every player has got to find that balance. There's got to be a release valve at some point. Uh, I don't care how much of a personality, how focused you are at the end of tournaments that you just have to do it. I think it's healthy. Um, and I, that's what I would encourage even juniors, young kids, you know, it's growing up. I saw a ton of burnouts along the way. I went to a tennis academy when I was younger, went to Everett tennis Academy when I was 12 and, you know, playing juniors, uh, in the U S of 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, you know, a lot of the kids I grew up playing with, they, you know, 99% of them stopped playing tennis. There's only a few percentage that went to college and then an even less percentage that turned pro. And it's, and to me, you know, tennis is this sport that you can play for life. I mean, really, you can get, you can start, you can pick up a racket when you're 45 years old. You can pick up a racket when you're 70. It doesn't matter. There's a league for you. It can be fun. There's exercise. And I heard a stat the other day that actually uh, 70% of girls stop playing sports by the age of 14. Like four, 14's young. And I, what's, what tennis has given to me and what sports has given to me, I don't think it has to be so obsessive where you have, we have kids and people not wanting to play because they're burnt out or because there is no balance. And that's why I hope that my story can show that you, there can be a balance. You can enjoy life. You can work hard. You can train hard. You can overcome challenges. You can get your goals. You can dream big all in, all in one lifetime. And tennis is, is that sport for me. Tennis is that career for me. And I, I hope, Others can can truly be inspired by that by that, and even you know I hope some young kids can be inspired to play tennis for that reason. So, with all of that being said, where does the crossover into business program fit into that story? Yeah, so I, I have a lot of ideas. In case you haven't realized <laughs> that I've been talking this entire time, was this supposed to be a two way podcast? No, not I at thought all, it was just about me. You know what really what really sells with tennis fans is an Alex Gruskin biopic. Huge, <laughs> huge success. No, please. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but hey, I need a platform, so the win, this is all win win. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, the Harvard Business Opportunity is. Uh, is something that was, I, I've been eyeing this program for a little while. I followed Anita, the professor on Instagram for a while. I actually talked to her last year inquiring about the program a little bit because I think a couple things. One, athletes and tennis players have so many skills that they've used on the, in the field, on the court that they could apply into the business world. We're just, we don't know. Like a lot of us, I mean, some of the team sports obviously have gone the college route, but for a lot of tennis players, there it wasn't a college go pro sort of journey for them. And I, I feel like a lot of athletes almost don't know what to do when they're done playing. Um, you see, we've been training. We basically had a full-time job since we were kids, and that's all we focused on. That's all we put our time into, and it's and again, that's why I think Anita was really inspired to put this program on because those are skills that we've learned all these life skills and how to be motivated, how to overcome challenges, how to work together as teams and all these things that we can apply to business. And I think it it inspires all of us to think, hey, we could do other things outside our sport, because at the end of the day, let's be real. Most athletes are retiring pretty young. It, it, you know, OK, you're in your upper 30s if you're if you're doing amazing. But you still have a lot of time to basically pursue another career. And 
I think this is an amazing way to start figuring out what you love out there. And I think that's another fear for athletes is they don't think anything will quite hit them the way that their sport did. They don't know. I mean, obviously it's tough to recreate that Arthur Ashe stadium feel in the business world, but I think this shows that you can be great at other things as well, which is makes you feel just as good. And, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I just have, I, I, have my foundation that I just started. So I want a little bit of structure and advice on, on where to go with that. I have a clothing line with lucky and love that I want to build uh, and engage more fans and, and get in front of more, more women and more girls. I I'm a ambassador and part owner in a chemo in chemo Mezcal uh, liquor brand. You know, where, where can I go with that? You know, I have um, a, I'm going to start a podcast actually. So I'll be your competitor. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. We can, we can collab, but uh, oh, wow. you know, I want to have a podcast and you know, for me, I have, I'm a pretty big idea person. And you know, what the, what the business crossover program offers is a little bit of structure. How would these students or these professors, how would they structure some of my idea? What's realistic timelines? Where, how can I monetize certain things? Where, you know, how do you set up, you know, LLCs and things like that? I mean, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, what investing, I mean, really the topics were pretty endless when I went into this class and, you know, the, the way it works is I'm, I have two MBA students that are basically, that are my mentors right now. And we're doing some case studies, which is exactly what they do in the MBA classes at Harvard. And uh, so we do it. I'm basically a student with them. And then at the end of the year, I present a case study for the professor. And um, I, and I go about, you know, asking questions about what, I personally want to get out of the business side of things for me. And again, I have a ton of ideas. A lot of them are in the beginning stages, which is why I thought this was the perfect timing for me to, to be a part of this program. And I'm really, I mean, you still have to be accepted. And so I feel honored to be a part of it. And really being a part of the case study in the classroom was one of the coolest experiences I've had. And it's, it's a really, it's a shout out to how amazing and genius Anita is as a professor. And, you know, how how great that that school is running those classes. So I, I feel really lucky to be a part of it. I feel like we just broke a little bit of news. So, Westoff, give me a breaking news sound effect. BMS <laughs> podcast coming to you soon. We'll work on the title. It's a working title. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, TV in general podcasts, things like that have really been, and even setting up a, a mentoring, uh, a mentorship program, uh, an ambassador program, because I really want to um, be outgoing and have kids ask me questions and, and, and see how I can help the next generation or even the older generation enjoy tennis life. If there's things that I've learned and just by me sharing it, it's, it's helpful. I want to set something up where that's where that's possible and you know being a part of the community and I and I'm a little biased here but I think I have some of the best fans that follow me I mean really you see my message boards and everyone's inspiring I have some awesome fan clubs that actually post pictures before I take them I don't know how they get these things but they're <laughs> on top of my life and it's just cool to have this community of good energy good vibes positivity and I would love nothing more than to keep growing it yeah, uh, it's it's so awesome to see, and you, you know, there. It, what's very clear from this podcast, you enjoy balancing all of these different things. But you mentioned first and foremost, you were a, and still are a fantastic tennis player. 
you know, with, and I, I say this, you know, lovingly, your, your knee is f***ed up. Like that's something you're always going to have, you know, the rest of your career. But still, you've shown that, you know, as recently as three weeks ago, you can still compete and win Grand Slams. Will there ever be a point where, uh, is the tennis still your first focus? Or now is it really just b- managing to balance all of these things at once? Because you've clearly found a passion that you're driven about and you love exploring off the court as well. No, t- tennis is my first passion. It's all whenever I make my priority lists, sleep is probably first, <laughs> followed by food, and then it's tennis, and then it's recovery, and then it's all the other things that I got going on. And you know, for me, tennis has given me so much in my career, and I still love it. Like that's the thing. I I have a passion to play the game. I've at, trust me. I've asked myself a couple times, like, is it worth it? To, do you really like it enough to go through rehab again? to go play out there and to have fun. Cause I'll be honest, like I, I mentioned a little bit, a little while ago, there was a, a, a time period where I didn't enjoy tennis. I really, it, it, I, I played it because I was good and that was it, but I really didn't have a love. And I think I found that love and that passion for tennis and it's still, it's still my first priority. I mean, you're right. Like my knee, it's not ever going to be the same. And actually I got some great advice um, from a friend of mine. And he's what he said was, you're creating a new normal. So you actually have to drop the comparisons of, oh, my right knee doesn't feel my, like my left, or it doesn't feel like I did in the past, or I'm not able to hit that shot that I used to hit. I had to create a new normal saying, okay, this is how I feel. This is my new baseline. What can I do from here? And that was the most challenging because it's easy to be like, oh, I, this is how I won my first Australian Open mixed doubles title. Because I'm a different player from them, I'm a different person from them, and from then, and that's something I've had to sort of in my mind grow with all my injuries. My I had hip surgery back in 2008. I've had hip surgery in 2014, and the same thing. My that hip is never going to be the same. It's not the same as my right, but I'm creating a new story for myself, and that's what's help keep me inspired through some of these challenges, through some of these rehabs and recoveries, and I still. I'm learning more things about the game than I ever have before. Like I'm actually, this is probably the most excited I've been about my tennis and playing probably in my whole career. I've, I mean, I've changed the way I move. I've changed the way I split stuff. I've changed my service motion. And it's just, I I'm looking at all these things in a new way. You know what? Actually doing TV when I was injured, I was able to watch a lot of matches and do a little, strategy sessions and i that's something i hadn't done before you i'm doing video sessions actually on who's playing why are they doing this well what that's their strategy for this point okay against this player this is what worked this is what didn't and it was just like this like explosion went off and i was like wow there's so many things that i i can shift and change and that i don't know about the sport or that i can improve and to me that's that's what that's what is exciting about this and that's why i'm i'm pumped to be on the court competing and why it's still my first priority is this is the um i guess surgery scar to tattoo ratio one to one at this point yeah (laughs) oh i I, in all honesty you're actually probably right it's pretty close (laughs) um but scars are cool right absolutely i'd say you should every time you have a new scar new tattoo as well I, so I feel like, so I have 23 hours on my right arm. Uh, so oh. all the flowers and everything you see on my right arm, that was 23 hours sitting in a chair. Oh um, I have a little tattoo on my left uh, ring finger. And then I have an idea for another one, which I'll probably do this off season. 
uh, sort of to tribute when I played the Olympics. It's my kind of rendition of an Olympic theme tattoo. Uh, so on my uh, rib cage, but I haven't look, I finished my arm, I think two, two off seasons ago. And she ended with the flower that was on my tricep and it was the worst pain out of the whole arm. Like I've been doing pretty good. The inner arm's pretty sensitive anyway. There's a lot of shading, a lot of coloring. So it's just, it, it was a lot. And like, that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back on the tricep. And I was like, oh, my God, are you almost done? Like, I almost can't take this anymore. I was like, but don't listen to me. Just finish. I definitely don't want to come back. Um, so I, as much as I love you, I don't want to come back. So I finished that. And we already started talking about the idea for my next tattoo. And I was like, you know what? I'm probably going to just enjoy having a completed tattoo for a little while. So... So I've had a little hiatus, but that does not mean I don't have something in the works or have an idea because I will be adding. No, well, we look forward. I'm sure the sandstorm will be all over it. You'll, you know, I'll see it before it's done. I got, so, somebody will have a drawing out there already. I'll be like, yeah. how do they The design just got leaked. Yeah, it's all yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, um, no, exactly, that's, exactly. Well, that's awesome. You talk about the, you know, the intellectual I guess, challenges of coming back, adjusting your game, breaking down film, doing all of these things. You know, you and Lucy played together and still, you know, maybe still you hinted at play together again in the future, but getting the chance to play with Jamie and with uh, Coco, how does that, you know, pique your interest as well? Do you enjoy those new, the new challenges that come with feeling out a new doubles partner? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I've had a lot of fun uh, playing with a couple different partners. I mean, obviously it's nice when you know who you're playing with in advance, a win or lose, bad result, good result, doesn't matter. You just kind of have your schedule played out. And obviously the goal is the year-end championships at the end of the season, which is the top where the top eight teams compete from that year. So it's nice having the same partner, don't get me wrong, but it's also been fun playing with some friends of mine. I mean, I'm really good friends with Coco Vandaway, really good friends with Danielle Collins, who I played with at Wimbledon, really good friend with Kristen Flipkins, who I played with at Eastbourne and who I'll, I'll probably be playing a little bit with uh, next year. But there's, I've just had some really fun experiences with all my partners. One of the biggest things that I, I've told myself is that I will play doubles with people that I like, that I like to hang out with, that I can conversate with, because I really think having that friendship makes for a strong doubles pairing that when that communication is there, when you just start covering each other, well, and you can go have a, you know, glass of wine after a loss, you have your coffee in the morning before a match. Like those are all the things that kind of go into this whole WTA season, which basically goes the whole year. So I, I, I've really enjoyed playing with a bunch of different people and it's, you know, for me, who knows who I'll be playing with, you know, the next couple weeks or even into next year. I've been talking with a lot of my friends and I have a lot of friends on tour and I'm, ex I'm excited about who, whoever's going to be on, on that same side. I think there's something to be said about figuring out your strengths. You know, what do I offer? A lot of it is dynamic. For example, a strategy that worked for Lucy and I, because she's left-handed, because she was so strong on the baseline, because she hit so flat maybe wouldn't work for Coco, who like wants a big serve, covers the net because she's so tall. She's got a wingspan. So I enjoy the challenge of finding different strategies uh, that work. And then it's, it's about teamwork. Like I'm a big energy person. So everybody better be ready for some hard high fives. And some come on. <laughs> that's, that's how I play tennis. And, um, and so far I've, I've really been lucky to play with a lot of, a, a lot of really cool people. 
Yeah, uh, I always say, and I'm sure you, you know. You, you, what do you care about my thoughts? But it, a doubles partnership—it's like any relationship, right? There's touching. You're going to have high fives. You're going to argue. There's ups and downs. It's it's the same as anything else. And so I, I like I agree. That's half the fun is getting to know someone new. Like any new relationship, there's the uh, honeymoon phase where you're you know, really into. <laughs> and you're like Coco. Yeah. That serve was beautiful. And then she, you know, maybe misses two backhand returns in the net. And you're like Coco. Um, but no, that, yeah, it, that's it, awesome. it's, yeah, it's half the fun. But uh, you mentioned in your tattoos an Olympic tattoo. And one of my favorite moments watching you on court was that 2016 mixed doubles final, you and Jack Sock versus Rajiv Ram and Venus Williams, where you bring home that Olympic gold medal. Is the 2020 Olympics something 100% circled on your calendar? Uh, it's 100% circled. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of tournaments in between there. Um, but it is definitely I have that on uh, on my list of things that I want to do for 2020. It was an amazing experience in Rio in 2016. It was the first time I had played the Olympics, and, the, and it, what what an experience! I mean, first of all, Jack is awesome. Like we had a blast out there. We had so many inside jokes, and yeah, I mean, he's a like phenomenal tennis player, anyways. But he he cracked me up the whole time. I really enjoyed playing him, and the fact we played another American team in the finals was amazing. We knew U S was coming home with silver or gold. And I think kind of the turning point is once you win the semifinal match, cause you celebrate, cause you're just like, Oh, we're a hundred percent getting a medal now. Like it's guaranteed. <laughs> and then that wears off a little bit and you're like, and then the little voice comes in and it's just like, yeah, but you want the gold. Like you don't want the silver. <laughs> and, um, you know, but it was, it was awesome that we, that we were playing against another American team, Rajiv Ram. And I grew up with Rajiv Ram who I, we actually played them in the, semifinal match at the u.s open um but i remember as a junior he was the same height he was i was definitely a lot smaller and i remember like i was practicing my returns against Rajiv rum when i would go to chicago and and practice with the other top juniors and you know he was from the midwest and you know so it's cool seeing someone i grew up with on that stage and able to share that and venus obviously she has more medals and trophies than all of us combined out there (laughs) And you know what? What a legend! So it was just—it was a really special moment, um, and I really, really would love the opportunity uh, to go back to, to the Olympics next year. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm going to get you in some trouble here. Well, we'll take out the personalities, the moments, all of these things aside. Playing doubles with the bombastic, aggressive game that is Jack Sock or the methodical partially you know scottish version of jamie murray which did you prefer <laughs> honestly they're like they're so they're actually so opposite it's, it's sort of funny and fun fact jack sock and i actually played against jamie and conta at them in mixed doubles at the olympics we would we played them <laughs> first round so um I, we beat them obviously so i i'll um, I think Jamie remembers that match too, but um, honestly, that's it. You ought to, you can't compare their games, their personalities. Like they're pretty as about as opposite as you get. But I love 
I think that's why I like playing with different people as well. Cause I, I love different things about different people and places. And I'm, I'm not one of these people that just wants the same peanut butter and jelly sandwich for the next 30 days. Like I, <laughs> I like switching it up. Even if I like something, I want to switch up because I'll like something else. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I live my life. Apparently that's how I <laughs> view my men and my doubles partners and, <laughs> and the, my world. But, um, but yeah, no, Jack, I just remember him absolutely destroying forehands uh, when we were playing against, I think we were playing against the Brazil team at, at the Olympics. And he, and he, we were playing against Mello, who's a, an insane doubles player. And he was like getting them all back. And I was like, Jack, I was like, this is amazing. Like maybe just hit them up the middle or something. Like you like keep bringing these forehands, but like Mello's kind of like reflexing them back. I mean, it makes for great tennis. Like I was just watching them go back and forth, but I mean, he's just, he's such a talented athlete and it was, you know, it's really fun to, to kind of, to play with all the different game styles. I mean, Jamie Murray's game is so unique. I, like his when you see his ground strokes you're just like I don't understand how you get place the ball where you do and <laughs> it's not the 70s put that continental grip away yeah but he <laughs> makes like it's so tough to get a rhythm with him to create power he just knows where to be and he uses his leftiness because he's he can hit a pretty big serve but he's not roping in a hundred you know, 19 every first serve. He's mixing in his kicks, his slice, his body serves. And I think one of the things I liked about playing with Jamie too was I'm really active in there too. Like I'm doing eye formation. I'm crossing a lot. Like he's calling this play really as a, as a team. Whereas I know, uh, you know, some guys want to, they feel like they have to cover the whole court. And it's like, ah, I got some pretty good volleys too. Like you can put me in. <laughs> no, I got this. So, um, so it's really fun, like kind of, hearing what Jamie's doubles like really he's a double specialist and what that strategy is whereas Jack has had success in singles and doubles so he he's a little more grip it and rip it but still volley's hands are insane so it's really I hope that answered your question because no, that that was exactly what I was looking for yeah and it le- no it leads me into my follow-up which is what's been clear over your career not only have you had so much success but the, the aspect of the team part of doubles seems you really seem to enjoy that. And it's not only, you know, in the Olympics and doubles grand slams, but also we've seen you play Hopman Cup a bunch of times. What is it about the team aspect of doubles and just when you can have tennis in a team environment that you enjoy? I, I think the team asks, first of all, I think doubles is a completely different sport than singles. I think there's different tactics. I think it's you have another person out there that you're relying on their energy. They're relying on your energy. Like it's totally different. I, I think there's a lot of highlight shots and points in doubles. It's faster tennis, different strategy. And to me, just having, being able to kind of banter back and forth with a buddy out there is kind of what makes it fun. I mean, and you know, you grew up playing, you know, this individual sport where you're not allowed to talk to your coach. Your coach isn't allowed to talk to you. They can't even signal you. And you just, sometimes you feel a little like you're just out there by yourself, which you are in singles. And don't get me wrong. I love singles for other reasons as well. But I think doubles, you can, you see my personality a little bit more because I get to engage with a friend of mine or because I get to banter back and forth. I, personally, I think doubles players should get mic'd up. I think some of our <laughs> conversations on the court 
would be really interesting for fans to hear. And so that's something that uh, watch out for next year. I possibly will be micing myself up uh, a little bit next year just to, to kind of get that inside look that you would not get that in singles. I, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. A lot of us talk to ourselves like we're crazy people. <laughs> Um, so that could be interesting too, but, um, but I, yeah, I think just, you know, singles has its pros, um, with their mental toughness and the, the different strategy, but doubles you're, you know, you, you can't say things like, why does your serve suck today to your partner? Like that's not going to help you win. So I think, uh, uh, there's just a lot, there's a different skill set, I think, to be really in, good at doubles. Yeah, and it's uh, you're. I really like that. You know the way you. I'm a huge doubles player myself. The way you talk about it, it is a completely different game. The tactics of it, you know, it requires you to think in different ways. But it, it's really nice. It's also enjoyable because it feels like tennis. So often you are out there on your own. It's just you on the court. I feel like if you mic up the doubles conversations, look, I'm happy to lend producer Daniel West off to you when you need the quacks <laughs> to cut out the swearing because I'm sure there's some swearing. But uh, again, how important is that dynamic between doubles players? How much talking are you doing during the point or during the match? Uh, I mean, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I talk a lot and I'll say it's probably 60% of the time. It's not about tennis strategy. So that's, it's, it's still positive stuff. It's still entertaining. A lot of times I'll say things to, to make us laugh, something I noticed in the crowd or something that I watched on Netflix the night before, you know, because uh, at some point you have to realize we're both great tennis players out there. We both are out there wanting to win. Sometimes we just got to laugh something off and then, all right, here's the, here's the game plan. This is what we got to go do and then go do it. It's really, you don't want to overcomplicate it too much. And that's, I, that's what the balance I've found for myself. There's a point where, there's too much information um and then i'm good with just a couple cues and then all right let's go like i got energy i'm in a i'm a a a reflex sort of intuitive player and i gotta go with my gut so i you know to free free myself up i gotta i keep it light sometimes so i that's why i think viking at least our my team our whoever i play with would be uh (laughs) quite entertaining but i think you know it goes to 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 players like you i mean majority of people that are playing in leagues that play for fun, play doubles. I mean, it's like such a mat, like it's such a massive thing across the country. And yet, you know, there's not as much doubles shown. And I, I would love to see doubles out there a little bit more just in the fact, I think fans and I think fan play like regular folks that play doubles would appreciate some of the things that we conversate about. And mixed is a way is a lot different than women's doubles. I mean, look at what other sport are you playing on equal playing field with the guys no handicaps for money, like at the highest level of the sport. And uh, tennis like has an amazing product in mixed doubles. And it's, it's really fascinating to kind of see us work together with players who we don't really play with a lot. Like I don't practice with Jamie in the off season. I get that question a lot. I'm like, I don't see Jamie till like sign in for Australian open next year. (laughs) And that's it. Like we practice and then we're like, that's why the friendships and the communication are so important. Like we don't, we don't spend hours, you know, training for for that together. Um, And it's, but mixed doubles, you know, it's a blast. And again, I I hope more people can sort of follow along with both the doubles and the mixed doubles, because I think there's some great stories, highlight tennis and, they play it so they can get a lot out of it. 
And I, I think uh, you talk about just that the aspect of having both men and women on the court. You see uh, it in world team tennis, and we used to see it in Hopman Cup. Unfortunately, that event going away. But would you like to see more opportunities in tennis for there to be team events? Obviously, the compensation would have to make sense to get top players to play. But is that something you know you would find yourself interested in if it was more available? I think so. Do you look at uh, something like the Labor Cup too? That's that's a huge success. And obviously, I've been a part of Fed Cups and you know, Davis Cups and things like that. But it's, uh, I think it adds a different dynamic. I, you know, right now, I tennis. It's challenging to follow tennis, and maybe you can tell me better because you're a little bit more on the outside. Is because our schedule we go from January to November every week. There's a different tournament. We could have different tournaments on different continents. So even if you're if you love tennis, is that it's it's challenging to sort of follow along, and that's one that's why I share a lot on my social media because I'm like I want you to know that U.S. Open wasn't the end of the year for me. A lot of people think that was the end. And I'm like <laughs> we have like 17 more tournaments. <laughs> like I gotta keep going, and um, you know it's it, I I think there there is a format. I think there it there is I, I see a team kind of what uh, how should I say it's like a team format working per se it just would have to be at the right time in our schedule and it have to be marketed the right way so that it makes sense in our schedule um with a scoring system that makes sense I mean I don't know if everyone knows but right now we have six different scoring systems in tennis <laughs> we have doubles in the WTA all the grand slams have different scoring systems so it's you know I, I think we need that like tennis needs to like simplify a little bit in some aspects but I'm all for the team events I'm all for more engagement I want to I want to inspire tennis fans the tennis fans that we have now but I also want to create new fans people that maybe just follow sports or p or girls and women that that don't but see see some things in the girls that play next to me that they can be inspired by and, and get attract new fans and I think you know both tours and have to get a little outside the box and get creative with how we can we can do that together. Well, to the Sandstormers out there making their first appearance on a Crack Rackets podcast, check out our mini break podcast, our daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies for the from the tennis world. Sorry about that. Um, by the way, you're always welcome if you're trying to get reps in before your podcast starts. Not that you need them, but always an open invitation for you, a B dog. Uh, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but- I appreciate. I appreciate. Listen, I I know I could talk a lot. There's a lot of different topics you could probably throw to me, and I'll just. Uh, I'll just keep talking, but really, uh, really enjoyed this. No, I think, um, I like, I like sharing my story. I like answering questions. I like, you know, putting myself out there. I think, you know, tennis is fun and I appreciate when, uh, when there's fun things to do and talk about like this. I appreciate you letting me be on the show. Of course. Can I keep you for five more minutes? One more series of questions I want to do. Uh, one more serious one, and then we'll get to our rapid-fire segment. But I'm going to ask you to put on your analyst hat. Um, you yourself, very familiar with the comeback trail. We talked about the injuries you've overcome throughout your career. A little bit of a different circumstance here, but former Grand Slam champion Kim Kleisters making her uh, announcement. She's going to return to the tour in 2020. Uh, just curious what your thoughts on that is. What you, you know, if any advice, not advice to her, but just what that rehabbing recovery process is like to get back at your top level. I mean, I look, I saw the video on the WTA's Instagram and I someone had told me, and I was like, no way, Kim's coming back. <laughs> so, 
And then I saw the video. I was like, no way. Kim, first of all, is a beast. She's an animal. Like this girl, last time she came back, she won a freaking slam. (laughs) And then she's had two more kids, like seven years. It's been, and she, like, I saw the fire in her eyes when she was talking about the comeback. I'm like, oh damn, like she's for real. Like (laughs) she's for real. Like whether, and she's, and the way she worded it, she's not, she's like, is it possible? She's asking herself, is it possible? I mean, that like, Three kids later, seven years off. I I mean, I can't even really relate to that. None of, I've never taken that much time off, nor have I had a child, let alone three. I have a fur baby, which does not count, even though he does miss me when I'm gone. Um, but I mean, Kim's awesome. Like, I've loved Kim for a long time. I've seen her at the slams, you know, since she's retired because she's played legends. She's done TV. So I've always talked to her in the locker room. Like she's one of these really genuinely awesome, energetic females that you just like to be around. Like Kim is just super cool. I don't think anyone would even have anything not nice to say about Kim Kleischer. So I'm really curious to follow this journey. I hope she posts a lot. I got to like ask her to uh, like, I want to see where she's starting out from where mentally she's even obviously she she had this thought kind of come up in her mind a little while ago and has has thought about it for a while I mean that's a big that's a that's a big life change big decision but I'm I'm pumped to, to follow along with this story I think I think she's awesome she's always been great for tennis she's an animal that has slams I mean what this is this is a cool story yeah, I'm all in. It's going to be it's just another thing to monitor heading into 2020. But with that being said, our final segment we like to do this with all of our guests, a rapid fire segment. More rapid fire in that I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, but uh, and they'll all be of different topics, but uh that sound good to you? Damn, so I have to be really quick, right? I can't No, no, that's long that's answers. Not- no, it's the opposite. I will ask you a bunch of, yeah, answer is long. I'm just happy wherever these go. <laughs> no, it's funny because I was actually doing a rapid, uh, a quote unquote rapid fire question Q&A today. And apparently one of my answers was a little too long. And, were, and the guy, the guy interviewed me and was like, this is the longest rapid fire lightning Q&A we've ever had. And I was like, bah, okay, I'll keep it short. I got no, this. I can do yeah, it. No, this is the exact opposite. It's just an excuse for me to talk fast. But with that in mind, Westoff, rapid fire sound effect, please. All right, the first question I have for you. The partner you have not yet played with that you would like to before your career is done? Coco Goff. Ooh, good answer. Ad or no ad scoring? Add. Favorite off the court meal? Pizza. Go to warm up. But, but who said you can oh. have pizza on the court? I'm just saying. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, debatable. I mean, it, I guess it depends who your coach is, right? I'm just right? saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, go to warm up song. I, it changes every single tournament. No, so are you? But I will with say ha- the current the current one was Queen. <laughs> Queen's album. <laughs> Oh, I like. Are you superstitious or not really? I am not superstitious on purpose because that's just a line I don't want to follow. That's a path to destruction. <laughs> it's all consuming. It's every. It's, no, uh, that is too much work. I'm not about that life, so I purposely switch things up. I like it. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. The photos. It's just way more. It's way better. Yeah, it's Instagram. I. I I mean, I'm on Twitter, obviously, but Instagram to me, the pictures, 
just the way it's set up. Twitter just, it's just a lot sometimes. And I talk a lot anyway. So it's, uh, yeah, Instagram all the way. Yeah. All right. Favorite city in the world? Um, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you Hong Kong, even though there's some unrest right now. So we're, we're not going to Hong Kong, some political unrest right there. But Hong Kong, to me, it's the New York City of Asia. And the shopping scene in Hong Kong is probably one of my favorites. So I, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. But I have I have a few favorites, but I'll, I'll pick one for the sake of this lightning round. Building good karma for the Asia swing. I like it. Um, all right. Will you play Wimbledon until you win it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fair. Look, you will see eighty-seven-year-old Bethany out there if that's what it takes. Honestly, you and eighty-seven-year-old Jamie Murray would play the same, and I say that lovingly. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Actually, eighty-seven-year-old yeah. Jamie, I can I can picture it. He'll have like one of those like that glass. What do you call it? With it's like one eye glass. The monocle. Yeah. <laughs> he's not from america but he's gonna dominate his 5-0 league like he's gonna be just so nasty his hands he are. is like people are gonna hate playing against him it's <laughs> like no anybody but oh the question is the does the spine curvature get to a place where it's too bad to play but that's a story for another time <laughs> um all right home stretch here favorite netflix show favorite netflix show uh, I'm going to say Netflix, man. I'm kind of, uh, well, I wasn't a Game of Thrones. That was HBO. So that's yeah, no, I, I'll take TV show. I'll, I'll accept TV, like TV show. I know. Cause I'm like, okay, Hulu, HBO right <laughs> yeah. now I'm watching. What, what am I watching on Netflix? Verse. I'm actually watching the Unabomber, um, oh. series on, on Netflix right now, but, uh, Black Mirror is a little, uh, little wild. And um, The Good Place, actually, was, is kind of my binge show if I want something kind of light. All right. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, if you're Netflix, The Last Kingdom, a little quicker, a little more killing, a little less sex. Very good. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Movie. Last Kingdom. Yeah, I started but... watching I started watching uh, Vikings. Is that yeah, Netflix or is that HBO? Vikings. It's all about, you know, King Alfred, Britain, but not really. Here come the Danes. It's all the same, you know. I, I'm not, I mean, yeah. So I feel... I'm always up for a good uh, good show like that. Game yeah. of Thrones was awesome. Yeah. All right. And the last two, uh, clothing related, and I say it, you know, because I'm a big fan. You're obviously known. You're not afraid to make this, you know, send a message with what you're wearing. Part one, is the sleeve a permanent fixture? Is the sleeve, wait. The, like long sleeves? What are you talking yeah, about? Sleeves when you, or tattoo sleeves? No, the, the tattoo sleeve is permanent, but when you rock the elbow sleeve, is that more, inte- you know, by, is that a feel thing? It's only when the elbow's uh, hurting? So I haven't rocked the elbow sleeve, but I know like a bunch of the Nike players are rocking the elbow sleeve. Um, I think it's kind of feel. I personally, like if we're talking about leg sleeves, that's what I got. The leg sleeve. Did I say the arm sleeve? Yeah, you said arm sleeve. Uh, I, I meant the leg sleeve. Yeah, my yeah. bad. <laughs> I was like, there's a few Nike players. Yeah. With the, yeah, I think Kyrgios and Vika's played with the sleeves. So the arm sleeves. No, okay. So my calf sleeves. So my knee high yeah. socks. Is what I, was like, I'm lo- I was like, I'm looking at it right now. Did I say arm? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So 
those so two reasons they're they are compression so i do mm -hmm. wear them for a reason i i actually uh have a little bit of a circulation issue so when i especially when i travel i wear i'm full compression um but then when i play i feel like it helps my feet stay light my legs feel fresher for longer so that's kind of a, a thing that i'm i'm keeping around but i now it's to the point a little bit where you kind of recognize me when you see the knee-high socks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, it's a, so it's a little bit of both. Um, I want to get creative with the colors, hopefully next year, um, so I can kind of combine the benefits with the style. But uh, I, it's just been my look for so long, and I, uh, I like it. It works. And then the last one, it made a lot of appearances in New York, the Buy Felicia hat. That's that's staying. Right? <laughs> My by Felicia hat, uh, of course, it's stained. So I have like dog mom. I like I love all these graphic trucker hats, and they're super comfortable. Uh, so that's definitely staying. It's it's funny because when I wore that hat, you had one of two people: either you knew exactly what it meant, or you had zero idea what by Felicia <laughs> meant. Like it was there was no in between. It was you were either asking me. I don't, I don't get it. Or you were like going out of your way to tell me that that was hilarious. So I appreciate, I appreciated that hat a lot. So it's stayed. Oh, of course. I'm glad to hear it. Well, with all that being said, uh, B dog, I'm sticking with it. Thank you Sorry. so much for, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the cracked interviews podcast. Good luck to you both in school. That's crazy to say, as well as, you know, as you finish your 2019 swing and get ready for the 2020 season. And, you know, before you become a competitor, you're always welcome back to in our crack rackets family. Of course. I, I would love to do this again. So let's, it, let's find some time maybe later in the off season for sure. Yeah, this was a blast. Of course. And feel better. No coughs for an hour straight. We're on the up and up. I thought that was pretty good. Like, I didn't have to warn you about any coughing. It wasn't that many days ago where I thought I was going to have to be condemned to, like, the leprosy uh, colony <laughs> for a little bit. But, um, no, I, uh, I'm i actually uh, feeling invigorated. So give me, yeah. give me a couple more days. Awesome. Well, again, take care and good luck for the rest of your season. Appreciate it. Thank you. 